I'm just going to speak a short time. It's a baptism service, and we're going to celebrate something of, of a community uh, experience here. This is uh, deeper than just one person going through a, a process with some water here. This is all about participation in this together. So uh, let's be in that frame of mind as we get ready for for what's about to come. And if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 8 is where we're going to go today. Uh, I'll read this out in just one moment. I'll give you time to find that. Uh, The book of Acts happens to be my favorite book of the Bible. I uh, love reading this as often as I can. I have used this passage a lot over the years. This this particular story has captured my imagination in a number of different ways. Uh, The last time I used it was actually at the Tumiki College over in the um, over with the uh, the Thailand um, mission trip we just did, uh, but I'm going to come from a very different angle this time than I normally do. Let's just read this together. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, "Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza." So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch came down to the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Although Philip is regarded as a hero in this passage because he's the guy who went out to the desert to actually do what God said to do. And that's something definitely worth celebrating, something I've preached on a lot on. It's the exciting call of evangelism, getting out there in the desert spaces. You and I get out there all the time. Jesus says, go, go to a place where you have to stand alone, where you have to be your own person, where you have to actually stand on your convictions with something to say. Get out there to that desert road. Philip did that very thing. And that's an exciting thing to celebrate. But the other main character of this passage is this eunuch from Ethiopia. This region back then was pretty much the land south of Egypt. So uh, more likely the area we know as Sudan now is actually Ethiopia back then. He's employed to serve Candace or the Kandake. This is a title given to the queen mother. In ancient Ethiopia, the king was considered the child of the sun. And he was too holy to become involved in secular affairs. So his mother led the country. And so the treasurer here, this eunuch, is doing the bidding of the queen mother. 
We read that he has signs of devotion, but also some issues with religion going on here. He's most certainly a Jew. He's not, a pro, he's not just a God-fearer. He's not just an observer of, from a distance. He's actually most likely a converted Jew. And this is not uncommon. A lot of people converted to Judaism outside of the nation of Israel because they were attracted to the solidness of the faith. They liked the strong moral code that came with it. If you are visiting here, if you hear of families that have no church affiliation but send their kids to a religious school just because, that, because there is a strong moral code there or because there's good values there, you might get an idea of some of the heart behind this. Uh, people converted to Judaism because a lot of the other religious stuff was quite morally loose and these guys go on, gee, that's at least solid, I can cling to that. We see glimpses of his devotion on display here. He's obtained a scroll from Isaiah's work. That probably wasn't a cheap exercise to do. And he's making a transit from Jerusalem to Ethiopia here after observing the Jewish feasts and the accompanying acts of worship. It's said that this was about a 1,200-kilometer trip each way. Imagine doing that on the back of a chariot. Add on to that about a month of religious pilgrimage and we're talking about a a quarter of his calendar year being devoted to an act of worship. In terms of time commitment, this guy has the goods. Put your hand up if you've spent 25% of your calendar year in deliberate knowingly, I mean, all of life is worship, right? But you know how we do those things that just is devotion, just is gathered worship, just is setting that time apart for the Lord? Who spent 25% of their calendar year doing that? Not me. (laughs) This guy has put the time in. But we're also told that he is a eunuch. And this puts him on the outer of his own faith. Parts of his anatomy, not there. And this was seen by those in Jewish authority as a barrier to worship. We see this in Deuteronomy 23. The priests would bar these incomplete men from having first-class status within Judaism. So despite the tremendous commitment of travel he made each year, despite all the observation he made, he was forever limited to this title, this status called the proselyte at the gate. His worship experience could not proceed past the court of the Gentiles. The temple itself was kind of like, there's the gate, but this is where I stand. He has an unquestionable devotion to God, but all of his life he's been told he isn't good enough. But to his credit, he hasn't given up. Despite knowing that's going to be the deal when he gets there, he still makes the pilgrimage. He still makes the trip. He's still seeking. He's still looking for answers to his questions. He's still engaging in Scripture. He's still searching. He's still getting Isaiah scrolls and devotionally reading that. His heart's cry here echoes what others have said before. The Samaritan woman and her people come to mind here. If only someone would make these things clear.
So Philip, who was the hero for going out into the desert place, sees a caravan of people, sees this chariot, and he can hear a man reading out the book of Isaiah. That's how people were trained to read then. You read by speaking it out as you read. You mouthed the words out. So he's able to hear the seeking journey this man is on. He could hear the faith journey. He could hear the, 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 uh, the, the thing he's engaging with. And he can instantly recognize that as, that's about Jesus. The passage being read out aloud is, in fact, from Isaiah 53. It's a passage that speaks about a suffering servant. It's, uh, this particular section went on to be a feature piece of the Gospels in seeking to prove that Jesus was the Messiah, suffering and all. So Philip hears something distinctly messianic being read out here. And if I'm honest, he's probably breathing a sigh of relief. Because there's harder Old Testament passages out there. If you want to point someone to Christ, there's harder things to work with. I mean, I'm glad he, I would have been glad, if I was here, I'd be glad that he's reading an Isaiah scroll and not a Leviticus scroll. Like, honestly, this is like, you got the right thing. Oh, thank God. I can work with that. But Philip might also be a little bit saddened to hear that something so heart-lifting to him is not quite connecting with his new friend out in the desert. Philip goes, do you understand what you're reading? The eunuch goes, yeah, kind of, um, no. We get the Barnes notes of that conversation, but I imagine it was probably something a little bit deeper. The truth is, mate, I've done all the rites and rituals. I've done all I can to align myself with the God of Israel. I make an annual three-month pilgrimage to Jerusalem to learn all I can. But I get stopped at the door to the temple every time. Something tells me there's more. This guy that I'm reading about here in Isaiah's scroll captivates me. He's got no descendants. I know about that. He's mocked and humiliated. I kind of feel that. He's had something taken from him outside of his control. I get that. The guys back in Jerusalem have no clue who this guy is. In reality, I can't get close enough to people to, who can actually take the time for it to explain it anyway. But something tells me this guy is someone I need to know about. I know we've only just met, Phil, but are you in any way able to explain this to me? And of course, the passage tells us that Philip is only too happy to jump in there, right? He starts with Isaiah, starting with this verse, starting with this passage, starting from Isaiah 53, he explains the gospel. Imagine being able to do that today. I mean, they didn't have the New Testament back then. Actually sharing the gospel with only the Old Testament in your hand. It's an exciting journey when you stop and think about it. He's able to articulate a really compelling gospel story starting there, moving onwards. We have no clue the details of that explanation. I wonder if, since he had an Isaiah scroll, he was able to move a little bit forward. I wonder if it was long enough to contain maybe Isaiah chapter 56. Let no foreigners who have bound themselves to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. Let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. 
For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord, to minister to Him, to love the name of the Lord, to be His servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, and all who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. See, there was always a day coming where the infinite God would not be contained by the Jewish law. And through Christ, that day is now. The good news of the gospel that Philip could tell this Ethiopian was that despite his incompletion, his incompleteness in himself, his heart could be made complete in Christ. By having his heart restored, his standing with God could be everything it could be. The temple in Jerusalem may reject you, but Christ will not. Instead, the mystery of salvation leads us to the understanding that the dwelling place of God actually becomes you and us. The eunuch didn't just answer an altar call that day. There's actually no mention of a sinner's prayer here and all, all that, any sort of real liturgy. There's some manuscripts talk about personal belief. But for the most part, it's not about that. This guy immediately turns to baptism and goes, I want to identify with this all I can. He looks immediately for an opportunity to be baptized. And as they pass a wadi in the desert, he pops that very question. There's no mention here of waiting till he was ready. It would have been an awfully quick baptism class. No fear of messing up either. Just a public act of embracing who he was as part of God's kingdom community. It's an immediate public statement of faith. There's nothing quiet or private about this. It's not just him and Philip out there in a desert. The treasurer of a country doesn't travel alone in a chariot down a notorious desert. This guy has escorts. This guy has a caravan traveling. He's in a group of people and he's making a public statement in front of all of them. In front of that whole crew, he goes on record as identifying with the humiliated, suffering servant. As well as all those who follow him. As I close this morning, I want to draw attention to the question of the eunuch here. Is there anything that prevents me from being baptized? What prevents me? In other words, is there anything in Christ that precludes me from full community like Judaism's emasculation clause? Or can I come as I am? Can I go all in with Christ just as I am? The story of our lives is that we all enter this thing called Christian community somewhat broken and incomplete. The journey of Christianity is that one day we will be fully restored humanity. 
It's a present reality that there is restoration going on, but there is a day coming when that will be complete. It's not there yet. The Jewish system was fighting a losing battle, trying to attain that status in their own way based on what they knew of the law. But grace calls us to Christ as we are. With the confidence that Jesus completes what we ourselves are incapable of accomplishing. The eunuch is able to leave that desert place rejoicing. Because he now had access to God which nobody could take away no matter how damaged or incomplete he thought he was. Ancient literature points to him as being the launch point for revival in that region and beyond. And Philip had no hesitation in baptizing him. He had no problem being the one who helped this guy come into full Christian community right there and then. From here on, there was no longer going to be a case of stopping him at the door. Maybe it's time for some of us to really engage with the eunuch's question. What prevents me? The reality is is that no matter how imperfect we are, if we believe in Jesus, the answer is nothing. Nothing stops us. So let's put the excuses to bed. The only thing really preventing you is you. But also, let's get ready now to embrace the gravity of this moment. 